Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show. Moscow Never Sleeps is here. He is, of course, a Prevail contributor. Spent a lot of time back in the 90s as an attorney working in Moscow, hence the name Moscow Never Sleeps. And you may recall, 25 months ago, wrote on Prevail a piece about Clarence Thomas, how to fix the Supreme Court. And that was really my first exposure to Ginny Thomas. I'd not really heard of her before he wrote that. And now Ginny Thomas is pretty famous, and the things that he wrote in that article over two years ago, very, very prescient. So we have him on. We talk about FLA. We talk about NFT. We talk about SBF. We talk about Ginny. We talk about White Lotus at the end because, you know, we have to have some fun. So stick around for that. The first conversation of 2023 on the Prevail podcast. 2022 kind of ended really badly for me. You know, I had COVID. I got that on the 22nd, I think. So that scuttled all of my Christmas plans. And, uh, you know, if you've been following and reading my, my Prevail substack, you know that my father died on New Year's Eve, which, you know, there is a closure to that. And maybe we can go into 2023 on a positive note, I hope. Um, you can go read the piece if you're interested. My dad was a, a wonderful guy. I, I miss him a lot. And I got um, just so many really nice notes from people. Uh, and I want to thank anybody listening to this who sent me one. Um, I really appreciate it. Maybe feel better and feel supported and loved even. Um, so thank you. As I'm recording this, it's, it's the 3rd of January. And I'm going to leave tomorrow and go to the uh, to the wake and then to the funeral. So uh, by the time you're hearing this, that will be over. 
And we might even have a new, you know, Speaker of the House by then. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to speculate, but uh, they're just going to have to play rock, paper, idiot, I guess. <laughs> These guys, I can't even. Anyway, I really don't have anything to add up front. It, it, like I said, it's been a brutal week. You can tell from my voice. I'm still a little bit covid I'm a little bit foggy. But I wanted to bring you a show because I didn't want to take too many weeks off. And uh, it's a good one. I had a lot of fun, you know, Moscow and I chatted on, I guess, uh, on Monday, you know, the 2nd of January. And um, like I said, we covered a lot of ground. It was nice to talk to him. Nice to see him. We'll be right back with Moscow. Never sleeps. Jack Smith, though we're all so excited At long last, Donald Trump will get indicted Seven years is a long time to wait But it's already New Year's Day Why so much delay After Comey, Muller, Garland, and Ray I won't get fooled again when he's in cuffs. Moscow never sleeps. Welcome back to Prevail. Hey, hey, thank you and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's nice to see you. It's been a while. Uh, And the fault has been mine, but it looks like you guys have been busy. I've just been keeping up with, um, you know, a couple of things going back in the homeland and uh, just uh, trying to maintain my practice in the middle of... um, you know, interesting times, as the Chinese would curse us. Interesting times. The last time you were on the podcast, it is the the top ranked podcast for the entire year of 2022. So we'll see if we. Yeah, can... thanks to Zarina, I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm totally on your coattails there. So you know, I can't really do a lot of bragging, but let's see what I can do on my own. Yeah, yeah, no, she's she's terrific. So okay, so what I thought we did is a lot of stuff to cover. So you sent me some questions about things that you wanted to talk about. I have some sure. questions about things that I know you know about and I wanted to follow up with. Absolutely. So we'll just go through and we'll we'll, we'll see what, uh, you know, I just want to pick your brain. So uh, before we, we turn the, the, the camera on, we were talking about Florida, which is where mm-hmm. you live. So let's start, let's start local and then we'll, we'll, we'll get bigger. Um, like so all good it, politics. You're down in Florida. You are right in the path of the, of the hurricane that we just had, which was obviously a, a shit show. Everything seems to be okay now on your end. I want to talk about just DeSantis and what you think is is going on there because I look at this guy and I see somebody ridiculous, but not in the Trump way of ridiculous where, you know, Trump, I think, had a constituency. Like, I understood why people liked and still like him. DeSantis, to me, just seems like a flaccid kind of poser, and I don't know outside of florida that he's going to have the same kind of impact 
that uh, that certainly that Trump did. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. So what's your uh, uh, forgetting for the moment about all the Matt Gates and 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 the Joel Greenberg stuff that may or may not come back to him and, and haunt him. What's your take on DeSantis? What, what Should we be afraid of him? Um, between now and 2024, the only two Republican politicians in this country to watch are DeSantis and Kemp. And who? Kemp. Brian Kemp. Kemp. Yeah. Oh, oh, Governor, oh, the Georgia. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, this is my logic to that. One, um, the only office that people can come from to dislodge a sitting president is governor. And I know that Biden broke that rule. All right. Um, you know, you take a look at every other sitting president who was dislodged by a challenger from the other party. Um, and the highest office that the successful challenger had was that he was governor of his state. Yeah. All right. Um, California, Clinton, Reagan. Yeah. yeah Clinton, Cl Clinton to Bush, uh, Reagan to Carter, Carter to Ford. All right. Um, uh, Roosevelt to Hoover. Uh, it even goes back to Wilson. Yeah. To um, Taft. Uh, Taft. Taft. Okay. Yeah. The exception was Biden and Trump. All right, but none of the rules worked in two thousand twenty-two. Yeah. Two uh, two thousand twenty. Two thousand twenty-four. It is going to be the same old story. Okay, it's going to be a shitty economy underneath um, uh, it, what the Republicans are hoping for. Will this be the truth? I don't know. But okay. the the pattern that you're going for, if you are a a campaign manager in either party, uh, but especially the Republicans, the pattern you're going for is you want to unseat a relatively popular uh, Democratic president. Uh, you need a you need a bad economy, which we probably will have. Maybe. Um, it, it it the beautiful thing is is you know you could tell the story either way, but but let, let's yeah yeah yeah. Wanna, yeah we're, we're we're trying to we're trying to create a, a Republican Wonderland here. So they want to see a bad economy. Um, they know that scandals really won't matter. But, you know, it won't matter to the voters, but they will matter to the narrative and what P and, and what the news talks about. OK, so you, you throw a couple scandals on and and the news runs after that because it, it sells more baby powder. Right. Um, you know, back when we had that. Um, and you want young, photogenic two-term governors who are in complete control over the political machine in their state. Okay. All right. And that that describes both Kemp and DeSantis perfectly. So the two, I mean, it is their year and they are eyeing each other warily. 
right? I'm not even going to talk about this other guy that we all know about. He's not, you know, until we get to a point where he's the direct subject of conversation, I'm not even going to use the T word. He's, he's done anyway. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, so who is the money going to support? Who's the money going to run after? All right. The economy of Florida is larger than the economy of Georgia, not by much, but it is. All right. Um, the population is growing faster. And so if you are institutional money backing a political candidate, you have, you know, you have good choices. You, you have a good problem to have. Do you go for Kemp or do you go for DeSantis? And you're going to be watching both of these guys very carefully for the next six months. And to see who, you know, is polling better against Biden. Um, Kemp's a lot of things, but he's managed to be relatively scandal free. He also didn't, he also stood up to Trump and that, in that yeah. context, which I think He's, matters. And, yeah. And, yeah. And so he doesn't he, have the, the Trump stink on him. Right. He doesn't have the stump, Trump stink on him. And but DeSantis will find a way to get it off because, you know, if you one of the quickest ways to get the Trump stink off of you is to have Trump, you know, bad give you, mouth you give you a nickname like the sanctimonious. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, he can he can sell himself as well. Um, DeSantis essentially won the Super Bowl in getting reelected, all right? He had things sewed up so well that the Democrats didn't even come down here and put any money, okay? Crist was a paper tiger. He was there to get demolished. I knew he would lose, but I was impressed by how much, all right? And so DeSantis carried, um, you know, DeSantis carried Marco Rubio. Yeah. He carried three more seats into Congress, right? DeSantis gerrymandered Florida so hard that even the Republican Party in a supermajority in both houses of the Florida legislature tried to back it down, okay? At one point, he's got Republicans trying to give up more um seats both in the local and in the federal districts all right DeSantis you know was completely single-minded about it and he delivered three more seats that plus the way New York ended up getting gerrymandered gave the Republicans a house yeah okay Kemp has not been able to deliver Senate seats or any incrementally larger number of Republican districts to the House. He is very well in control of what he's in control of, but DeSantis can do no wrong for the Republican Party. All right. If he sent out a memo saying they all had to wear their underwear on their head and speak gibberish in front of the cameras. They would be knocking each other over. Don't they do that anyway? I, you know, how do you tell, right? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, why don't they film zombie movies in Florida, right? Because zombies eat brains. <laughs> um, 
so that's going to be the back and forth for the next two or three years. All right. Um, you know, as unlikable as he is, if you had a list of things that you, you know, if you're a Republican fundraiser or a Republican campaign guy, and you have a list of things that you want from a potential political candidate, DeSantis is going to be marking those boxes better than anybody else in the party. Because the Senate Republicans, right, forget them, they're never going to be president. You don't get elected from the Senate to the Oval Office unless you're running against another senator from the Oval Office and then the taller guy wins. I mean, that's basically, as far as I can tell, the reason that Obama beat McCain was he was taller and had more hair. Because um, that is what gets you in. The last time we had a bald man as president, it was, you know, Eisenhower. And he was running against a bald man. And what, did, this, what did Eisenhower do, though? I mean, right. did he have any, did he have thing, any yeah. experience running anything before coming to, oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, and they ran him against Adlai Stevenson twice, and Adlai Stevenson had, you know, you know, less hair than a modern porn actress. But um, he, basically, it was the same thing. We ran him twice, got murdered twice. What were we doing? I think we were just giving up. But then yeah. again, who is going to win against Ike? Yeah, right. nobody. The nobody's last, the last human Republican in history. Also correct. Now, right. it's true. All everything you say is true. So he and, and and also there's the Murdoch factor because Murdoch seems to have taken his uh, um, his support away from from F POTUS and parked it in front of the the DeSantis uh, estate. Um, I will say, going back to how you started this with. You know, when you look at at one term presidents, which there have not been very many, historically speaking, you don't lose incumbent presidents don't lose unless they really fucking suck, which the one exception maybe being H.W. Bush. And that was muddied because Perot was such an effective spoiler. But for the most part, you really have to suck to lose. Uh, it's two things. You have to either it, it's it's the economy. You right. It, you lose on the economy and you might, might lose on scandal, but it, there has to be the economy as well. There has to be everything. And I'm thinking, I'm looking ahead and all of this, uh, the, the, the inflation, whatever the hell they wound up calling it, all of that is government spending going into, you know, a lot of these purple and red states and stuff like that. So I don't know that the economy is going to be in the toilet enough. What scares me isn't DeSantis. What scares me is uh, somebody like Christy Noem, because if I'm the Republicans, I run a, I run a woman against an old white guy and dare them and dare the Democrats to not, you know, and hope that that peels off some of the things. She has a lot of the same boxes checked that DeSantis does. And you know, it's a smaller state. Oh, uh, she'll no, she'll be in the running. Yeah. OK, but what we're going to see is we're going to see four or five people who have a legitimate claim and have access to a lot of money. Yeah. And we're going to see them bashing each other. The primaries are going to be gorgeous. <laughs> okay. I have no doubt about that. Um, okay. Moving away from Florida now in this horrible, I'm sick of thinking about DeSantis already. He hasn't even, <laughs> he hasn't even done anything yet. Listen, now, yeah, I mean, it, 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 
acclimate yourself in small doses because believe me, you are going to be taking IV bags of DeSantis in a year. Oh. I really think we have to fix the system because we keep we keep trying to elect these people that are just manifestly unpopular and unlikable. You know, T Ted Cruz almost was the nominee in, in, in 2020. I mean, he was right in the running until the end. And no one likes that guy. I mean, no one likes him. It's really yeah, crazy. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I was a step. I mean, this is one of the reasons I'm happy to see Iowa pulled out because Cruz did great in Iowa. Yeah. Okay. You know, children of the corn country. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm not that much of a political scientist. All I know is that generally people with access to a lot of money and a very strong political machine tend to do very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he has, he has both of those. He knows exactly what he wants. And if he can get over, you know, if he can get over looking stupid in white boots, which worked really well down here, I told you that. You did, right? You did, yeah. Um, yeah, it worked fucking great. Um, you know, ask, uh, you know, ask Charlie Crist how they did. Yeah. To the rest of the country, he looked like he was dressed up as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. But here's the thing. I mean, he will have, we don't need to talk about it anymore, but he, um, Watching, watching him try to talk down to Christy Nome, watching Kemp try to talk down to her, and seeing how that plays with the independents, you know, a few months later is going to be delightful. But 2024 is going to be a shit show. Yeah, yeah, and that's if, and that's I'm. We're both assuming that he who shall not be named is not going to actually run when push comes to shove, whether because he finally gets indicted or what. He's uh, running now. It's just well, how far will he get? Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, it seems like in this last election, if nothing else, it was pretty much a repudiation of 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 his bullshit. But I don't know. Speaking of Trump, uh, I had forgotten about this until you wrote about wrote me about it. He issued these NFTs, uh, which stands for I I I said joke that it stood for uh, nice fucking try, but it actually stands for non fungible tokens, and I don't quite exactly understand what it is but it's basically an electronic file that is singular that you own and uh that's what he, it's supposed to be and that's, that's what it's what it is okay. yeah so he creates this thing and you say uh i know people listening to this are going to be shocked here this is just a vehicle for money laundering so that's how all it is yeah how would this work um okay so let's pretend you're ricky ricardo and I'm Fred Mertz, okay? And you are the head of the Ricardo crime family. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you are sitting on top of $100 million, and you need that money to be in your, you need a large part of that money to be in your bank account legally, and you're willing to spend about 40% of it to get there, because why not? It's free. You stole it. Yep. But what you do is you have Lucy and I have Ethel and Lucy creates a whole bunch of NFTs. All right. Just picture, you know, different, you know, pictures of Lucy and Ethel eating the fucking chocolates. Okay. All right. Every, you know, cultural icon. Everyone is slightly different. Sometimes she's smooshing it on this side of her face. Sometimes 
Ethel's got it on this side of her face. Sometimes they're smooshing on each other's face, but it's a hundred NFTs of those two eating chocolate off of the conveyor belt. Yeah. So Lucy is the creator. Ethel is the publisher. All right. So Luke, so Lucy sells to Ethel a certain amount of the rights to publish and distribute these NFTs. And she gets some crypto for it, or she gets some cash for it. Now that money has ultimately come from nowhere. It's been made up. It's crypto. It's bullshit. It doesn't exist. Okay. All right. But at some point there has to be, you know, cash comes behind it. And Lucy could sell the small amount of crypto that she got for just selling the rights to this. And she could hand it over to Ricky. Or she can hand the crypto over to Ricky. Okay. But that's not where the fun begins. The fun begins when Ethel turns around and sells the hundred you know, or the thousand or the 10,000 pictures to Fred at a hundred bucks a piece. All right. So let's say it's 10,000 at a hundred bucks a piece. That's, so it's a million dollars. So now Ethel has a million dollars and Fred has a million dollars worth of NFTs because somebody, he just paid a million dollars for it. Now, Lucy not only got paid when she sold the rights to the NFT to Ethel, she got a commission when Ethel sold the NFTs to Fred. Okay. Okay. Now Fred turns around to the market and, you know, where did Fred get that million dollars from? Okay. Fred got that million dollars in crypto from Ricky. Right. Cause Ricky's got to launder money. Right. So now what happens is that money has gone down to Ethel and Ethel has punted most of it back over to Lucy and Lucy and Ricky are married. So Ricky has access now to a bank account or a wallet full of a million dollars worth of crypto that is connected to the sale of a good. So if anybody says to you, where'd you get that money? I sold pictures of Ethel and me eating chocolate off of the conveyor belt. All right. So the money just made a circle, but at some point it became attached to the tra to a transaction. Okay. A, tra and a transaction for something that has no value. I was going to say, because the key thing here is we've seen this before with real estate, but the thing about real estate is that it's, you know, real you gotta yeah you have to buy it yeah you have to bid and against it's a house it's a thing it's a this is just right. something that 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 is literally comes out of the fucking sky yeah paid for by something that comes out of the sky and then transferred probably through one of these bullshit crypto exchanges right. into actual you know usable right. money now back in the days when the when nft had a little bit more legs the idea behind it would be this fred now starts to want to make some of his own money so Fred has these NFTs, right? He has laundered Ricky's money. Ricky's happy. 
So now he sells the NFTs out to the universe, to the bigger idiots, because people are like, oh my God, I know $10,000 in NFT. I want to pay $20,000, right? Fred makes the difference. And so does Ethel. And or Ethel gets a piece of that. And Lucy gets a piece. Of and Lucy gets a piece of that because this is a multi. You know, I was saying this is a pyramid scheme. It's a multi-level marketing scheme. A pyramid is we're bringing in cash for yeah. nothing. You know, bringing in cash and paying people out cash from the cash that's coming in. This is not a pyramid scheme. This is Amway. Yeah, yeah, multi-level. Okay. This is multi-level marketing. Every time some bigger fool buys the stuff that nobody can use, everybody up the chain from him gets credited a piece of that purchase price. All right. Nowadays, NFTs roll once, boom, and then people stop. Right. You are not hearing a lot of people walking around on Twitter or Truth Social, somebody else going, I've got Trump in the spacesuit. Who wants to pay me for it? Yeah. Okay. You're stuck with it. But you've got Trump in a spacesuit. Good for you. Okay. Your mother should be proud. <laughs> All right. Your kindergarten teacher is hanging her head going, where did I go wrong? But you have Trump in a spacesuit, and Trump has $99 of your money. Okay. I don't, I mean, this isn't a, it wasn't really large. What were there? Like a thousand of these things? Yeah. Yeah. And he was asking for what? A hundred $99. I think what many people pointed out that if you bought whatever, the, the amount was like, $9,900, so right under the federal, you know, the $10,000 yeah. limit to, yeah. So here's the beautiful thing. Once these things are out, as long as you want, as long as you're willing to lose a little bit of money every time you keep the, quote, perpetual motion machine running, unquote, you can roll these things through different households of Ricardos and Mertzes and just build the value up. Because it's not the inherent value of the NFT. It's purely inflationary. How much cash needs to be put into the white economy? All right? Yeah. So if it was $100 million that needed to get laundered, all that would have to happen is a whole bunch of people with more money that's looking for cleansing to go to these purchasers and buy the NFTs for more money. Now, so somebody comes along, you're holding your, you know, Elmer Turnipseed is holding Trump in a spacesuit that he paid $99 for. Somebody comes along and offers him $200 for it. All right. So he takes the 200 bucks and a hundred has now gone back in his pocket. So he's a hundred dollars ahead. That money, the hundred, has, will roll back down as necessary as long as you can keep it rolling, as long as you can keep someone else purchasing. So what you do is you make the margin like 15 to 50%. Yeah. Now that's lost, but this is a pure financial fraud. You're simply laundering money. And sometimes that's expensive, especially if you have to do it quickly. Yeah, like I don't think that, on, yeah, yeah. I don't think this is a very successful version. All right. No because, way. No, because these people just are sitting on it going, hey, look at me. You know, I'm I'm gonna show off to my friends that I've got Trump in a spacesuit. 
you know, I've got Trump in a cod piece, whatever. Right? You hold on to it because you're stupid enough to think it has value. So this is why I think they did not really sell it to the chuds. Because the chuds are going to hold it. Right. Because they actually think it's worth something. Okay? You know, that it, it, it goes on the wall with all of their other ultra-maga, you know, imprimaturs. What they really probably did was they they fully clint maybe a few of these things went to chud so the people could show off that it looks like it's real but for the most part it was insiders so like it, this is like in the old days where um concert tickets would get released and the scalpers would buy most of them and you'd have to get the good seats to the scalpers except in this case the scalpers except the, are- except in this case there's no concert <laughs> okay the only thing of value is the concert ticket right it doesn't actually do anything it's yeah. simply something that you can trade yeah so when, yeah. as this starts to percolate down now we can talk about sam bakeman free i was that was that was the next thing i was going to end this little segment by saying you know Lucy, you have some splaining to do. I think that's right. that's how we have so, to do yeah. So what have we just learned? <laughs> all right. We've learned a couple things. We've learned that, you know, first of all, um, there are, you know, there are basically five things I know anything about, right? There's, I know a little bit about Russia. I know a little bit about Florida. I know a little bit about mergers and acquisitions. I know a little bit about constitutional law because I took a course in it. Uh, and I, I, I know you know, investment banking, you know, and, and, you know, kooky finance, just enough to know where the hooks are. What you guys are learning is it isn't about where the money goes. We all look at that going, you know, what is he going to do with the money that he spent? You know, what is he going to do with the money that he raised? Right. We all think, well, you know, he's going to pay bills or he's going to, you know, try to finance you know, presidential election or, you know, he's going to corner the market and catch up. That's the question they want us to ask. The question is not how did the money get spent? The question is, where did it come from in the first place? Mm. So now let's talk about Sam Bankman-Fried. OK, wait. Before we talk about Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah. We have to take a quick break. OK. We'll be right back with Moscow. Never sleeps. Okay, we're back with Moscow. Never sleeps. S B F. Sam Bankman Freed. Right. Young kid. Einsteiny hair by design dirty t-shirts uh my understanding of what he did is that he basically uh has his bullshit crypto exchange that wasn't doing well or or not or was doing fine used money from that to pay off um into his investment firm which was not doing well um you know which you're not allowed to do that's against the law you can't uh, rob yeah. peter to pay paul that way so it, it seems pretty cut and dry to me but uh what were that's you gonna that- well he had a lot of money invested in him from, you know, Sequoia Capital. Who is Sequoia Capital? What is that? And, you know, it, it's one of these hedge funds that's running around trying to pump 
money mm-hmm. into you know the new economy. Okay. Looking for the unicorns. Now, once upon a time, I was the general counsel of a private equity fund. All right. So for and after that, I advised private equity funds and I advised the companies that they advised that they invested into. And I advised um, the people that invest into private equity funds. Private equity and, and venture capital are slightly different. We don't need to get into it here. But bottom line is they sit on a bunch of money that they themselves have taken from investors. And they look for places to put it. All right. And the fund that I was working at had like $150 million. The, the VC funds are sitting on 50 to $100 billion. All right. They're just, it's, it, it's staggering. Um, and most of that money looks like it's clean. It comes from uh, pension funds or, you know, or in the old days, they would come from pension funds. They would come from, you know, government, uh, you know, government employee funds, similar to pension funds, you know, yeah, you know, the, the California public employee retirement system or the, you know, the Wisconsin public employee or New York public employee. These guys are sitting on $250 billion of pension fund money and they set aside a small amount for high risk, high return investments. Um, but a lot of times these guys are now essentially just either running their own money or running money of other VC funds, or running money of offshore banks. And at some point, we don't really know where the money comes from, some of it. So these guys are giving Sam Bankman-Fried and his guys tens of billions of dollars. Now, once upon a time, there was something called due diligence and you know financial probity. And what that meant was somebody comes to you with a great idea and that great idea gets him as far as the, you know, past the first two or three levels of what we call deal flow. We see a thousand ideas. We throw out, you know, 900 of them. This is like America's got talent, right? Right. You get four stars, you get a golden star, you get whatever the fuck you get, but you don't just get the money, Right you get a mentor, right? That meant if, I, if, if somebody impressed us with his business idea, that money came with terms, right? And you know, we're talking at the time, that was $2 million. That meant one, um, we either approve your chief financial officer or we assign you one. You have audited financials. We have at least one person on your board. We may have veto rights over certain types of expenditures that go too far to the left or the right of the business plan. And essentially we quote, totally believe in and support the vision of the CEO, unquote. But we have the checkbook. And that's in exchange for like a 20 or a 30 or a 40% stake in the company, right? It was, you know, on a good day, it was avuncular and it was some oversight. On a bad day, it was a lot of arguments in the boardroom. But what it wasn't was us watching some jerk off in Jamaica, you know, shorts 
playing video games and, you know, staring off at the ceiling when we talk about risk management or, you know, his Adderall infested girlfriend giggling that, you know, risk management, you know, is uncool. And us saying, wait, are you sure you can't take more money from us? So these guys know they're going to lose money. All right. They, they just don't know where. They're, they're making bets like this at 10 or $20 billion at a time. So when you say, just to clarify, when you say they know they are going to lose money, you don't mean with this guy specifically. You mean in no, general. That's part in of general. The, yeah, in the general. flow is some one thing out of 10 hits or whatever it is. Exactly. Okay. And so you know, so when these guys give them this money, either they're just playing the numbers in a way that, you know, in my generation, we would have been on the street if we'd tried that. Okay. Yes, we lost money, but you know what? We did financial management. You know, we did, we got, you know, uh, we did see their, their, their financials. We did understand their risk management systems. We made, you know, we made choices. We made educated guesses. It was called managing risk. It wasn't just shut up and take my money. And where they are now is shut up and take my money because if because the truth is, if Sequoia had said to him, I'm sorry, you're a child, you're not getting my money, somebody else would have come in. All right. And I'm going to guarantee you a couple of things. One, the guys who made the decision at Sequoia to give him the money are going to suffer no consequences for this. It was in their job description. Right. Two, they will continue to raise on their own markets more money for the next one. And three, they will do this exact thing over and over again. They will, in the next two or three years, lose a similar or larger amount of money, and none of them will suffer any legal or financial consequences for doing so. And so you have to ask yourself, why does their money keep coming back and giving it to them like this? Aren't they upset that they lost so much? Maybe they didn't lose anything. Okay. All of these diamond hand schmucks who put their children's college funds in to FTX and are now looking at their wives, making sure there are no fucking sharp objects left in the house. Those guys got hurt. And we can have a we can have an argument at a different time as to whether or not that's a pro-evolutionary situation. But the large money, the massive cash that went into FTX had a pretty good idea where it was going to go because they're also on the other end. What do you mean the other end? Okay, so 20, 30 million, 20 or 30 billion dollars went off the balance sheet of FTX, okay? And to the extent that that was in money, not in crypto, and a lot of what Sequoia gave them was in crypto, right? But to the extent that it was in money or, or, or solid, reliable crypto. Such as it exists. It, you know, okay, some of it went to real estate, which is actually a pretty good place for it to go. You can get that back. Yeah. It may even have most of its value. So when people are like, well, you know, we bought his parents $5 million, you know, 
you know, $20 million worth of houses. Good. You know, at this rate, buying houses and buying jewelry and buying, you know, Maybox, you know, Maybox and yachts is the least stupid thing or, or the least difficult to trace thing that you can do with the money. But the rest of the money is going into projects. Okay. And project is the, you know, project is a word that has no meaning in, in the crypto world. It just means a, an explanation of if you give me this money, I might do something with it that has, you know, value. For you, maybe. For me, likely. For the rest of the world, not at all. And so if you want to launder a billion dollars, remember, it's not about where the money went. It's about where the money came from. Right. If you want to launder a billion dollars, you're Ricky Ricardo, okay? Sequoia is Lucy. Okay. Okay. FTX is Ethel. And the guy who probably doesn't have any names is Fred. And so instead of a one billion instead of a one million dollar NFT go around, right? It's a two, three, four billion dollar go around. Sequoia doesn't mind losing the money. Why? Because I could go raise it tomorrow. Because we don't live in a universe where losing investors' money has consequences, right? We haven't in 20 years, at least that long. So why is that? Why did you say 20 years arbitrarily or is there something that happened 20 years ago? A few years after the crisis of 1998, the entire world said, you know what? We will take money to where it's risky again. We'll take it to Russia. We'll take it to Africa. We'll take it anywhere that the law lets us. Because if we lose it, we'll make the government cover our losses. If we make it, we keep it. And in 2008, that was proved true. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so, and the other thing is money isn't real. I mean, at $100, it's real because you work for that money and you want to spend it on something that has value. You're not just going to hand it to a stranger. A thousand, a hundred thousand, a million. When you connect that to your personal labor, that has value. But when you're up in the billions, it's just financial money. It's just one source of money handling to another, right? Just like the mobs used to have all kinds of fun with the pension fund. Mm -hmm. Okay. The VC world has all kinds of work, all kinds of fun with the private and semi-public pension world, which is trillions of dollars. So you ask yourself, well, why don't the governments do something about this? And the answer is the best thing for federal monetary policy is the occasional burning of 10 to $15 billion. It just went away. It went bye-bye. 
because the less money there is, that's a deflationary, that's an anti-inflationary move. Right. Okay. So the government actually doesn't mind as much. You know, it's annoying if somebody that matters to them loses some money. They have to look into it. There's, you know, congressional hearings. There's this, that, and the other thing. But on a macro basis, it's guardedly positive. So, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know that this is exactly what happened with the whole FTX thing. But I suspect that what's going to happen is within about six to eight months, suddenly a whole bunch of pleas are going to get handed out. And one or two people are going to do, going to get life sentences or 20 year sentences. And then they're going to get let out after eight to 10 years, because this wasn't just some kid coming up with some, you know, thing. Yeah, he did. But a whole bunch of people who knew a whole lot better were in a position to stop him. And they didn't. And they didn't because it was in their interest to do so. And this doesn't even go to, you know, what kind of campaign financing was going on. It doesn't go into anything like that. I don't care. But it's very simple that if you need to move a billion dollars or $2 billion from point A to point B without anybody really questioning where it came from or where it really ended up going, having it look like it was stolen in the middle distracts everyone. Mm. Okay. So it'll be fun to watch. I don't know how much we're ever going to find out, but here's a couple of things I can predict. Sequoia will not change the way it does business. SoftBank will not change the way it does business. The regulation of trading platforms may take place, which would be good. Yeah. Um, and we're all going to assume that that money was just wasted and therefore disappeared. Money doesn't really disappear. It gets spent on things. And when you don't want to know where the money went and you don't want to know where the money came from, you spend a lot of time telling people how the money was stolen. And that fascinates them because it's very easy to think, oh, you know, this, this fucking kid and his fucking girlfriend and, and, and these fucking lunatics and their fucking parents. And it's just a little, you know, it's a bunch of little bad crap apples. And that was the problem. And I'm sure that if we can catch them next time, it won't happen again. And that's nonsense. Because at either end of that chain, which is basically the same place. Yeah. They need this to work. So let's just find a different way to do it. It's interesting. The one of the, I think probably the biggest competitor to the FTX place is Coinbase, which in the space of the last like three weeks, you know, as I've watched a lot of football, they've changed their ads. Whereas first they were one way and now they're basically saying, hey, we're the company that didn't get our CEO arrested. You know, it's really okay. Blah, blah, blah. Even though Coinbase has also had, you know, they've not been un, un, unscathed and how all this stuff goes down. So, no, uh, my experience with my experience, I, I think it's as follows. Binance brought down um, FTX with a couple of mean tweets, all of which were true. All right. 
And then, and Binance is walking around like, this is great. Look what we did. And then they suddenly realize that they are as vulnerable as any of them. Some, you know, if somebody wants to take Binance down, they do the same thing. And all of these trading platforms are realizing we are one motivated enemy. One guy, you know, we, we are one single motivated narcissistic macher away from the same thing because none of us really have a handle on our liquidity issues. They're probably better at it than FTX, okay? But they're all, the reason banks survive is that nobody runs banks. And the reason nobody runs banks is that banks are insured. And the reason banks are insured is that banks are regulated. Yeah. Okay? And that's it. That is an explanation of world finance in about 23 words. And everyone who walks around going, yes, but decentralization and this, that, and the other thing, I'm like, if there isn't some third party willing to stand up and cover your fuck-ups, then every then no one, everyone's gonna wake up tomorrow morning and take their money out. It's interesting how how it played out with with the FTX. Like, you know, people basically had to run on the bank, except the fake bank with the fake crypto money. It's yeah, like, exactly. guys, you know, since since we've had the FDIC and the and all this stuff, this shit has not happened in a real bank. Like I I, you know, the the crypto bros are like, well, no government's gonna tell us what to do. And it's like, I kind of like my money having the full faith and credit of the United States government. Call me crazy. But um, you know, speaking of the United States government and full faith and credit in. This brings us to our last serious topic okay. of, of the day. I went and looked, and it has been 25 months, almost exactly to the day, that you wrote the first of the three pieces on the Prevail site about how to fix the Supreme Court. C is for Clarence, about Clarence Thomas. When I read that, I barely knew who Ginny Thomas was. And you wrote in the piece, you said, uh, <laughs> her her conflicts of interest are visible from space, <laughs> which is funny. Um, and you went into this thing saying the way to get rid of Clarence is to basically threaten to audit the fuck out of Ginny. Oh, yeah. Since that time, in, in the intervening two years, everybody knows who Ginny Thomas is now. Um, so... <laughs> What do you make of all of that? What, what? Well, you'll notice something. That little skinheaded ape who's going to take over the Ways and Means Committee, Kevin Brady. Do you remember what he said a couple of days ago when you know when, when the Republicans started to shit themselves over the revelation of Trump's taxes? No. What he, he said, and this is as quote to, as close to a quote as I can remember. This sets a terrible precedent. Oh yes, yes, yes. Because if you can start to you know because if you can expose the taxes of presidents, you can expose the taxes of Supreme Court justices. He did say that. Yep. He did say that. Okay. That wasn't just a random brain fart. <laughs> okay. That was a signal to the entire party and to some extent, possibly a signal to the other side, right? Because if there were any Democrats left on the Supreme Court, you know, maybe the Republicans like, could like audit them. And that's exactly what we should be fucking doing. Yeah. Okay. I think I think at the top level of any government service, executive, legislative, or judicial, your taxes should be public. Yeah. You want private taxes? 
awesome. Go back to work for a living where you're actually, you, where you can steal much more legally. Okay. But if you want to go, if you want to go into public service, especially in way up at the top where there are essentially no ethics rules, there's no ethics rules on this, on, on the justices. There's no ethics rule. Yeah. There's no ethics rules for the, you know, upper echelon of the Senate or the house. Right. It's not enforceable from any third party. Awesome. You want to be free. We're still going to see how you steal. Yeah. We're going to know. We're going to have David K. Johnston, um, you know, and everybody else. We're going to have 300,000 qualified forensic accountants gleefully making an industry out of exposing every fucking deduction that you've taken every source of income that you've claimed you don't like that there's plenty of much better paying jobs in the world they just don't have this much power and if you want to have this power okay you have this responsibility we should do that i don't think we will but we could do it you know i don't mind if my government is corrupt i've learned to live with it all right. It's a reward. All right. It shows off a level of cleverness that, you know, I think we should be proud of. But I want to know. I don't want to be lied to. I don't want you walking around sanctimoniously saying that, you know, that you are a public servant. Okay. Everybody's entitled their hobbies. But this is what you do for a living. And I can prove it. And so can the rest of the planet that knows how to use a calculator. I think that is right. I mean, I mean, I think it should be legally mandatory that if you want to run for president, you got 10 years of your taxes on, you know, on the front of the New York Times buster. You want to you want to be a justice of the Supreme Court? Yes, we know that if you were an appellate justice, you file those bullshit financial forms. I know that. You still give us 10 years. All right. And you give it to us every year that you're in the seat. So that if you don't recuse yourself, we can figure out why. Now, yeah, we see your spouse, okay? We see where they're making their money, all right? I mean, even Russia technically has this sort of declaration system in place. You know, they find 96 different ways to evade it. But at least, I mean, even they get why you need this. Yeah. I mean, it's only... You have to not lie on it, too. I mean, you you mentioned the Supreme Court stuff like Kavanaugh, you know, spent a quarter of a million dollars on the down payment of his house or whatever it was. And uh, two hundred and thirty five thousand, I think. We don't know how he got that money. It's not there's nothing in there about anything that would make it so that he would have the money. And like you said, I don't care if his father gave it to him, but fucking tell us. Yeah, you know, tell us. Let and, us know. Because if it wasn't his father, then who the fuck was it? And how how exactly. well did the did the Jets play that day? You know, what was the parlay? What Look, were the if, points? Once upon a time, we lived in a country that had a social contract, right? Which and 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 to some extent, some of that contract was codified into the Constitution. Right? If you are not you know, if you cross the line enough in a position of power, you can be removed, right? It's a difficult system, but it exists. 
right? And it expresses an underlying concept, which is this is power that has been lent to you, okay? It is not inherent to you personally. It isn't a right. It isn't a, um, like the Brits put on their coins in French because it would be offensive in their own language. My God is my right. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be Charles's motto, but that was Becky's. That's not who we are. You're not sitting in that seat because, I mean, as much as they might think so, because of, you know, because of their faith, you're not sitting in that seat because God thinks it's a good idea. You're sitting in their seat because you traded on meritocracy, the right friends, and a bit of politics to get to where you are. Okay, fine. That's the system. But we're entitled to know that you haven't, you're not starting to trade on the power beyond what we believe, what we have legislated, you may. All right. Yes, these guys are all going to get rich. They're all going to get powerful. They're all going to be untouchable for the rest of their lives for the most part. And that is all of their offices and both parties. Just let us know. So we know who we know whom to vote for. We know whom to vote against, and we know whom to push for impeachment. And maybe we won't use that information. Maybe we're just, you know, maybe we'll just look at it and go, okay, we'll let that happen. Boys will be boys. This is just part of the, you know, maybe we, but that's our choice to make, not theirs. It's locker room insider trading. Yeah. It, yeah. And so I, I don't think that it's, intrusive and when people you know and when the republicans or maybe some democrats say well this is really intrusive no and look i get it you don't want to go after you know any you know the, the, you don't want to go after your third grade teacher because she pissed you off right that's not cool and somebody said well you know this could be abused you could go after like union officials with it oh like you haven't i mean if we started really looking forensically at the way these guys report their finances, okay, we would be taking down huge swaths of the finance industry. Okay. So, I mean, it, it, it would, it would, it would support Rico. It would, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with it. And, you know, that's definitely subject for like another time and another conversation. But, um, you know, I know you're starting to look tired and I've got people knocking on my door. Is there anything else you wanted to cover? I got one more question for you. Okay. This, talk this is the most important question of all. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about White Lotus. So if you're listening and you have not seen White Lotus and don't want a spoiler, uh, just hit stop now. Yes. Hit stop. You do not want to hear what happens to. Okay. We're now White Lotus. Uh, you wrote me and said, Hey. Uh, do you think Greg knew the whole time? Did Greg know the whole time that he was going to fuck over Tanya, even from season one? And will he return in season three? Here's what I think. I think that when Mike wrote the first one, he did not have that in mind. Okay. But I think he could write three with Mike coming back loaded and and do enough callbacks to mm -hmm. tell the story as if this was the plan all along. Yeah. 
and remember something about the white lotus okay the assholes get away with it almost always I wrote that in the thing we we're talking about who is going to die. And I said, Cameron is absolutely not going to die. Cameron's like the handsome guy. Uh, yeah, Tom Buchanan never gets caught. Nothing bad ever happens to Tom. No, Buchanan. I mean, it's even worse. It's even worse. He and Daphne have a great relationship. They do. All right. They do. They talk about what they need to talk about. They have the secrets they need to have. And they understand that there's a transaction. The secrets cost them but they're both happy to pay the price. Yeah. Okay. Neither of them is going to look at each other in five years going, oh, you're not the man I married. You're not the woman I married. I can't believe that we're doing that. And they, you know, if, if things got revealed, there'd be an argument, but there wouldn't be a sense of betrayal. All right. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think Greg, he won't pay for it monetarily. Yeah. But here's the thing. I think that the two great loves of, of Greg's life are dead. Yeah. All right. Greg loved Spencer or whatever the guy's name was. Quentin. Quentin. Okay. If that's the story, right? He right. and Quentin had this thing go, you know, he and Quentin had something going on 30 years ago. All right. Greg went through like three other wives. We don't really know how he lost them, but maybe we can guess. Right. Okay. Quentin's got a rent boy going on, but that's not love. All right. Quentin and Greg had an idea. They were a partnership. That didn't work out. You know, Tanya's the best shot with her eyes closed. Good for her. Uh, also, the way she went out. I mean, that's a, that, that's a couple more Emmys. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, um, seriously. I don't think that White had it in mind. I think, however, he realizes it could work. And he can work with what he's done. I think Greg, I, I, I think he's up there with Vince Gilligan. Yeah. And I've seen Vince Gilligan um, write one way and then something falls in his lap and he figures out how to use it and he writes around it and it makes it look like he had it planned all along. Okay. Yeah. You know, when you, you watch everything, you think he had Jesse Pinkman plotted. You think he had... Saul Goodman plotted. You think he had Kim Wexler plotted. Those were all accidents that, you know, the audience reacted like these guys. And he said, okay, fine, I'm going to work with it. And he built it. I mean, it, it was a much better show because he's that flexible. He's I adaptable. Think, yeah. Yeah. I think White's like that too. Now you mentioned Breaking Bad and I, I've heard the story too, where Pinkman was supposed to die off fairly soon. I don't believe that because I put this, uh, in the space years ago, but Breaking Bad has a Reservoir Dogs ending. Reservoir Dogs ends with uh, Mr. White dying of a gunshot wound uh, with dead bodies of accomplices around him while sirens wail and Mr. Pink gets away. Breaking Bad ends the exact same fucking way. Same characters, same thing. It's exactly the same. So, in, in, and there's no way in fucking hell that they didn't name Mr. White and Mr. Pinkman as a nod to Reservoir Dogs. Uh, it is I, I, no, absolutely okay. not, it's not I, possible. No, I think so. I think that's right. I think that's right. <laughs> uh, I do think, however, I think Saul Goodman. Yeah, uh, that was an accident. That, 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 was, that, was, a, that was a huge <laughs> accident. But um, I mean, we can talk about that forever. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to let you go because you got other things that are probably, you know, maybe not as pleasant as this, but um, I'm going to let you get back <laughs> to what you're doing. You need anything, you let me know. 
Okay. Um, um, I'm going to remind everybody where they can find you on Twitter um, while it's still there. On Twitter, I am Moscow Never Sleeps, M O W N E V E R S L E E P S. Um, I'm probably going to, you know, I have. I have some space on, I think, Mastodon social and one of the other, on the same social that you guys are on. Yeah. The story, um, yeah. I haven't really used it yet. You know, I've, I've been kind of, you know, I, I've been kind of like dealing with anti-social media for right now. I just <laughs> like, I haven't really had a chance to get into it. Um, I'm kind of waiting for, uh, you know, I'm kind of waiting for stories other than Trump to come up so that I can like have conversations with people about other things um uh that might still happen on twitter um it definitely it probably happens on the others but i will be opening up more and writing more in, in the new year and i hope uh, so Are you you yeah. gotta come back and write for prevail too in the new year We'd oh like for to, real yeah like, i'm gonna write for, like I'm gonna, too. yeah i'm gonna write for prevail um you know and you and i can talk offline about you know podcasting and stuff like that because um you know i have all the equipment now you should see my office I, I know. I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, all right. Thank you so much for taking the time. Always great to see you. Moscow never sleeps. Uh, thanks so much. All right. Thank you for listening to me ramble and everybody have a great new year. Talk to you soon. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fawcett. Zarina Zabriskie, Marie Kost, and Martha Akuna provided the introduction in Ukrainian, French, and Spanish, respectively. Voice talent is by Stephanie St. John, Tally Briggs, Michelle Cantor, and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hockey, Kenai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to the Prevail Substack with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the column and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. And until next time, we shall prevail. MSW Media.